the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Let's talk a little Shakespeare as you like it. The Motley Fool is taken from Shakespeare. And I have a relationship with Motley Fools that goes back to the mid-90s. I bring this up because they're a financial services media company. They started off with a newsletter. Probably everyone out there has heard of them, seen them, or at least know their icon to educate, amuse, and enrich. I'm not against everything. I know that I'm filled with a lot of hate, but I don't hate The Motley Fool, but I hate The Motley Fool. I know you're saying you need to reconcile this. Please go back to therapy. A therapist, $200 an hour. Please, people, let me do this on air. So the Motley Fool, like I said, I've known them. I used to have an office on Duke Street in Alexandria, Virginia. And I was um, an investment advisor, a registered investment advisory firm, and started the company. I think our first name was Mercury Capital Management, MCM. And, you know, I, I could have been the Motley Fool, but they already had that name, right? I was trying to break into the industry as, as smarter than everyone else. And then these guys come along and say, even idiots can do it. David Gardner and Tom Gardner. I'll tell you one time when I wanted to kill them. I know you're saying, don't, don't put a threat on radio because people will use it against you. They parked their van. Well, first and foremost, they're brothers, Tom and David Gardner. They had a one-year newsletter, one-year-old newsletter in the 90s. Everyone did. And they got out of America online. You've got mail. And they turned an April Fool's joke into a book deal, which led to... Which led to, which led to, Molly Fool Investment Guide went on to become a New York Times and Business Week bestseller. Um, they had a fanatical following. Maybe it was your dad. I always assumed it was someone's dad. I always assumed that people who liked the Molly Fool was someone's dad who was missing one of their teeth. Like one of their front teeth, the ones that show, gone. And he was a Motley Fool fan. Now, in 1999, Motley Fools ran into controversy with what was called the Foolish Four Investment Theory, which is ultimately been discredited a lot like the buckets of money guy you can't say that this strategy is going to beat everything else unless it does beat everything else and you can't back test it on a napkin and say well it kind of could have beat everything else but we don't know because we didn't do it if ifs and buts were candy and nuts oh what a party we'd have but you can't have ifs and buts if only we had done it but we didn't do it so they got into a little bit of trouble It was called one of the most cockamamie stock-picking formulas ever concocted. Now, I have a problem with these guys. In large part, they're not even with the company anymore. And that's fine. And they they wore their jester's hats on TV and radio. And Maybe I should have had a jester's hat. Maybe that would have been all the difference in my world, right? Maybe Giselle Bündchen would have noticed me if I wore a Motley Fool cap. But no. No, 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 no. I'd be cautious on following any thing that you think your dad might like. I'm not a big fan of having Buddhas and gurus. With that said, I'll be your Buddha on the mountain within reason. I don't actually want to help you. I want to teach you how to fish yourself, so to speak. So 
I'm not a Motley Fool fan. At one point in time, when CNBC went and put them on the air and Bloomberg went and put them on the air, they, they had a van which looked like their stupid hats. And they would park their van in the middle of traffic and stop traffic! And the news companies like ABC, NBC, CBS would send cameras to like, why are these idiots stopping traffic? And they wanted to go, oh, we just wanted to remind you today's Natural Mutual Fund Day. And I hated it. But I bring it up because there's multimedia financial services out there, whether it be LearnVest, whether it be Robinhood, or you name the app out there. And a lot of them have these strategies and ideas. And the best way to get rich is to buy index funds, diversified index funds, every two weeks for the rest of your life. So your dollar cost averaging over a long period of time. That's the best way to get rich. Now, yeah, you can subscribe to like the Holbert Financial Digest or you can, you know, figure out a, a, the red chip review. There was a company in the 1990s. You know what a blue chip is, right? A blue chip is a, a big company that just has good solid position and not going to go away. Like a Visa is a blue chipper. Disney is a blue chipper. Red chips, eh. They're hot and sexy little guys that may become a blue chip. And it could be like the marijuana company out of Canada that's going to become the marijuana company of the world. That's the way it's kind of sold. So there was a company called the Red Chip Review, and they're out of the Pacific Northwest. And in the 90s, they'd come out with this just awful newsletter. Awful. It's like an eight-pager. And it looked like it came off the Xerox machine, and it was folded in, <laughs> in halves kind of thing. Like it was designed in house, which was fine, but ninety nine bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever, and all you, all you had to do one trade would pay for itself. Be cautious on that kind of stuff. That's so nineteen nineties, and I know that millennials are smarter than that, but that's kind of why I brought in that whole concept of uh, if you, if your dad's buying into it and he likes the Motley Fools, it's probably time to turn and run from the Motley Fools. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, so it's not that hard to come up with the right way to invest. Max out your 401k or the equivalent of an employee contribution, 403b or 457. Buy inexpensive, well-diversified mutual funds. See, you can write this down on a napkin. Never buy and sell an individual stock. The person on the other side of the table probably knows more than you. And yet I can sit there and say, Netflix has raised prices for years and years and years to come. You should consider it. Consult a broker, rise, for taking a shotgun on. They mentioned blah, 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 blah. Probably not okay to say that with the SEC. Well, I told them, you know, Netflix is okay and consult a broker, rise, blah, blah, blah. The blah, blah, blah means it has risks. You should save 20% of your money. You should pay your credit card balance every month. You should maximize tax advantage saving vehicles like Roths or SEPs and 529s. That guy, CFP Chad Burton, he has this like mega Roth. Now, I watched the movie Megadon, and it could have been the dumbest movie of all time, but it was mega. It was a big shark. I mean, it, it, it kind of managed to pull that off. So a mega Roth is kind of like a big tax advantage saving vehicle and for the details you got to listen to cfp chad burton because i don't want to talk about it you want to pay attention to fees see this is stuff you could write down on a napkin you want to make uh you know you want whoever is giving you financial advice you want them to have a fiduciary standard so that they get into legal trouble if they rip you off your stockbroker is not going to do that your insurance guy is not going to do that the guy who buys airtime on the sports channel is not going to do that he's selling insurance and annuities so i'd say you know fiduciary you know bueno it's Rob Black, broken Mexican, English, Spanish. You know financial standard? You know bueno. I know you're saying, you can write this stuff down on a napkin. Maybe that's going to be my shtick. Maybe that's my ticket to the Motley Fool kind of money. And I'll burn this place and I'll never look back. Uh, I'll be right back. A couple minutes. Give me a break. It's my radio show. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I just want to get you to retirement, but please, please don't steal pets to do it. A pair of thieves hoisted themselves into an animal enclosure at a Houston pet store to haul out $44,000 worth of English and French bulldog puppies in a duffel bag. Okay, if you elect me president, people would steal puppies. As soon as the judge says guilty, we put them to sleep, not the puppies. Who would steal puppies? Now, again, if you're going to steal puppies, make it $44,000 worth, right? No, I'm not suggesting that. But there's a good way of getting rich and a bad way of getting rich, and that's a bad way of getting rich. Oh, is there any good way? There's a good way to retire, and there's a bad way to retire. And this is sadly has become a true story. And I've been saying it for 20 years. And sadly, I'm seeing it happen more and more. If you don't have enough money for retirement, I used to say jokingly, ladies and gentlemen, this is not what you should do. I would say, if you don't have enough money for retirement, you should grab a gun, go into a bank and say, I want all the money and shoot one shot into the ground. Because you had a gun and you shot it, you're going to jail for life is my assumption. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, you're 65 years old. You're pathetic. We're not going to put you in tough man jail. We're going to put you in in uh, easy jail. You're going to get cable TV, you're going to get three meals, you're going to get a gym. It's going to be country club. I don't suggest that, but sadly, that is a retirement plan, is it not? CFP Chad Burton will say things along the lines of, well, you have a retirement plan even if you don't know you have a retirement plan. <laughs> Stop drinking coffee. Coffee costs $5 a day. That's your retirement. You'll hear people kind of go the yuck, yuck way. Like you have a plan even though you don't have a plan. You'll probably end up working until the day you die. That's maybe your plan. Or you'll retire and you won't have enough money. And I'll say, shockingly, you're going to eat cat food. Now, for some people, and for the record, have you ever fallen in love with a, like the most beautiful person? And you go to their home and they, they cook you a lovely dinner. And it's got toppings and apricots and shaved fennel. You didn't even know that fennel's needed shaving, but they do. And then you're like... I love this person so much. I want to get married. The whoopee is passionate. The conversation is intelligible. And you get married, and it, no more cooking. No more. They, they stop cooking for you. And the, the conversation turns into, can't you just agree with me to support me? And you're like, ah, this isn't what I signed up for. So that happens. <laughs> the retirement plan. Oh, good God. I've gone totally off course with this. Anyhow and anyway, let's get back on course, shall we? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Eating lunch with Warren Buffett's going to cost at least $3.5 million. The dude is the greatest investor of all time. The GOAT. The G-O-A-T. And on eBay, you can bid to have lunch with him. If you guys want to start a GoFundMe page so I can have lunch with him, please don't. Because the guy eats like a sailor. Which there's nothing wrong with. He likes fast food. I know you're saying sailors like uh, gourmet meals cooked with uh, shaved fennel. No, they don't. Do they? So anyway, um, Berkshire Hathaway is the greatest investment of all time, headed by the greatest investor of all time, Warren Buffet. Um, I think it's great that he raises money for charity, and I wish I could do that. I could be had for lunch for a cheap six-pack of beer. I know you're saying, do you drink alcohol? No, no, just give me some Coors Light. I wash my car with Coors Light. It's more water than beer, right? Right? ESPN is betting on Snapchat. I know you're saying, oh, good God, ESPN, Disney, and cable cutting the cord, and Snapchat, not Facebook. This is a messy story. But ESPN's got an MMA show, which for years, ESPN was better. We're not going to show cage fighting. That's for barbarians. 
And now they're like, ooh, let's do a cage fighting show. Let's do the barbarians are taking over boxing. They've shifted. And smartly, because the younger people audience doesn't want to watch boxing. Boxing feels like a corrupt sport. I know you're saying, duh. Okay. Uh, but you can only push college game day so much. And yeah, it's great. You know, college football, young people, cheerleaders, football players, moms and money, hashtags. But yeah, you got to go where the, where the action is. And the action's at the MMA. I know a person who used to sell mutual funds, uh, like 401k services, which is kind of a funky service because there's a lot of laws on how you have to offer it and how it has to be packaged. And she quit that job. White collar job. And now she's a ring cutter. I know you're saying, what's a ring cutter? Like, she, she kind of, she's the, cut my eye! Yo, Mick, cut my eye! So she cuts, like, fighters' eyes open when they, like, puff shut. Okay, she probably puts on their gloves and tapes them up and stuff like that. But I, I kind of like her as a Mickey. Uh, if, you, if you're with me or against me, you got to choose a side. This is some war, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're saying, you're, you're crashing, aren't you? You don't have enough content for the show, do you? Okay, is that obvious? Yeah. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Jamie Dimon is warning that U.S.-China trade fight is becoming a real issue that could deter investments. A Goldman Sachs rival pulled out of the Apple Card deal as it fears it will be a money loser. The Apple Card is kind of interesting. No interest rates, no fees, no transaction costs, no... What is it going to be? And do we want it? Do we need it? The Apple Card's consumer-friendly features make it harder for banks to make money. Citigroup was in advanced negotiations with Apple, but pulled out. An employee at Citigroup said, dude, if that portfolio ever makes money, I'm buying you a beer, he told a Goldman Sachs employee. Now, that's worthy of note when you're trashing your own, like, we didn't get into that because it looks stupid. Other banks like J.P. Morgan Chase, Barclays, and Synchrony also bid on the business. Apple's not really commenting on it. And, you know, consumer-friendly features, no fees of any kind. Software that actively encourages you to avoid debt and pay it down quickly. You get points if you buy Apple products. More points if you buy Apple products than if you buy anything else. Which, if you start thinking about it, why do we use reward cards? Because we get cheaper vacations, but we want to go on vacation, right? A vacation's kind of as expensive as an Apple 10. Are you against me? Are you with me? So the Apple card available this summer highlights the risks that, you know, credit card companies like Goldman Sachs and Synchrony and Barclays and J.P. Morgan Chase and Citibank all have to face. Like, we want the consumer who's buying expensive stuff, Apple phones, vacations. What's another popular rewards card? Cashback. Are you with me against me? Travel. You know, Southwest wants you to use a Southwest card in large part because you're going to fly on Southwest. It kind of gets that loyalty out of you. Americans paid $113 billion in credit card interest to banks last year, nearly 50% more than five years ago. Now, it makes you wonder why Goldman Sachs is signing up for a card with no interest, right? I'm just here. Turn off the lights when you leave. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Singapore's Core Logic Case Shiller Index came out today, and it's one of the indexes that I like to follow. Not because Robert Schiller is a fascinating guest to follow on CNBC or Bloomberg. He is, but because it kind of shows home prices across the United States, and it shows it on a similar basis year over year, which I think is a better gauge than just randomly put together medians. Um, But buyers and sellers haven't really caught up to each other. Buyers want more affordable homes. Sellers kind of are lingering on that right now. So we've seen 12 straight months of slowing. 
as far as numbers go. But will the balance of power shift? And it kind of is, but not quite there yet. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Start my morning each and every day with Mr. O'Hare. How are you today, sir? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Welcome back from the weekend. Yeah, and uh, that has to be the question. The sell in May and go away has been nothing but true this year. May has been a rough month, according to your page one. I start every day with it. Should I, should I go away for June, too? <laughs> if, I were to follow, if I were to follow that idea of sell in May and go away? Well, if you, I mean, yeah, if you really, if you subscribe to that actual adage, sure, because, um, I mean, the Stock Traders Almanac uh, does tell us that, you know, if you were to invest solely in the period from May to October, you, I mean, you basically don't make any money for all intents and purposes based on the long-term track record of, of the market, whereas most of the gains and, and uh, almost all the gains have accrued in that period from November to April. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a really fascinating um, study and discovery, but, you know, no one has the benefit of that, uh, that timing acumen, really. So, um, so we don't, you know, p- put, you know, a full faith and credit in, in just playing those adages uh, year in and year out because, you know, macro factors, environment, you know, they all, everything changes, you know, from one year to the next. So while it does maybe pay off in some years, you could really get burned in other years. With that being said, over the weekend, I was watching a little bit too much Netflix, and I wasn't on Netflix. I was on my YouTube TV because I'm kind of that cord-cutting millennial, even though I'm not a millennial. I saw a lot of Donald Trump in the news this weekend. Um, is that story of politics and trade going to die down during the summer, or do you think it picks up? And should we be wary of it? Or is it just kind of politics not necessarily hitting Wall Street? Or does it? Yeah, well, you know, I I tell you, Rob, I I think it's unfortunately here to stay. um, And it it probably will, you know, continue to ratchet up anyway into the the month of June. And, you know, you have the G20 meeting waiting for you at the at the end of that month and then um and then right on the heels of that of course if nothing productive so to speak comes out of that uh reported meeting uh which i don't think has been confirmed yet by chinese officials but between president trump and president xi if nothing good comes out of that then you have that that uh lingering threat out there of um you know uh, us raising the united states raising the you know tariff rates on a you know 300 billion dollar tranche of goods uh, to you know, potentially as high as twenty five percent, and so to kind of have that um, you, you know that stick just hanging there. Um, so so it promises to be kind of a lot of back and forth. Obviously, you know, there's trade related headlines here throughout the month of June. I think you're going to continue to see some of this just this seesaw action in the stock market as a result of it. Um, but okay. uh, the market's looking for some closure on the issue, and it's just not getting it, which is why you're not seeing any, um, you're not seeing an extension of this bull market run that we saw coming off that December 24th low. Still having a decent year on the markets, but it's almost because we started so hot, and then it's kind of, kind of grounded down a little bit. One of the things I like about your morning column is the glo- um, you also kind of hit on like the Monday mergers, or in this case, the Tuesday mergers, global payments and total services getting together in a $21.5 billion deal. Is that maybe what can drive the market during the summer months when we don't necessarily have earnings or new iPhones or big press releases driving us? Maybe it's mergers and acquisitions this year? 
Well, you'll get some spot situations, of course, but I think you're okay. going to have mostly you know stock-specific uh, moves um, <clears throat> in terms of the broader index. I think it's going to continue to be imprisoned by the the, the larger uh, trade factor. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, you get uh, <clears throat> this M&A activity that's going to continue to persist, and it, it's interesting to to look at kind of what uh, deal size premiums are had with those uh, transactions, and it looks like uh, in the case here, you got about a, a 20% premium before the, you know, unaffected stock price. Um, so, this is certainly, you know, not bad at all, but um, but I don't, I still don't think, you know, you're going to you're going to see M&A activity uh, help the market divorce itself, if you will, from what's going on with these macro factors. Speaking of macro factors, shifting gears, you also do a big piece. You do a daily piece, which I love, start every day with. And then on Fridays, I kind of get excited. I shut down my computer. I I see an email come in from you, and you're talking about kind of a big picture item, um, a little bit more than say, a bullet shot in the markets, you're talking about kind of a trend. What are you working on right now as far as things that we should be paying attention to? Right. Um, you know, one of the things keeping a close eye on, which kind of is sort of uh, in some respects below the radar here, is as we talk about the, you know, the big picture topic of trade is, is kind of what's going on with the with the dollar, you know, and um, and how that could ultimately uh, the strength in the dollar could ultimately create uh, a little bit of turbulence uh, for the emerging markets. You know, we've seen the EEM, which is the ETF for the emerging markets. I mean, it's down over about ten uh, about ten percent over the last six weeks or so, and, and I think you're starting to see some some tremors in the market about uh, the persistence of this strong dollar and the, the uh, potential repayment burdens it can create for holders of you know sovereign debt in those emerging markets, and um, and it makes one wonder too if if this. Uh, compression and yields you're seeing in the treasury market is 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 perhaps pricing in some of the uh, uh, uncertainty that could come to the surface here uh, in the near term as it relates to some you know difficulties in the emerging markets as a result of this stronger dollar. So it's not the only factor, obviously, that's compressing treasury yields, but you know could perhaps be a contributing factor that uh, as we sit there and take into account why the yield curve continues to. Uh, flatten and even invert uh, in, in several cases. Mr. O'Hare, I, I don't want to cheat, but after 20-plus years of doing this, I've kind of learned, and you, I want you to slap me on this one, I've kind of learned that when the 10-year Treasury dives, it's time to buy stocks. And someone taught me, you buy bonds when the 10-year Treasury is over 4%, you buy stocks when it's under 4%. I'd mm-hmm. change that number now to maybe 3.5% or 3.25%. But is that too simple of a thought that... You mentioned in your uh, morning piece today that 10-year treasury is sitting at 2.29% 19-month low. I'm like, I guess I'm going to buy stocks, and I'm almost resigned to it. What are your thoughts on my seemingly simple idea? No, you know, I mean, it's certainly, you know, low interest rates uh, are supportive of risk assets, but you sometimes have to get through a period of near-term turbulence uh, as you assess why those rates are coming down, right? So if it's because you're going to see slower global growth, you're going to get lower earnings growth as a result of that. So you might see some multiple compression in the near term, but ultimately, you know, a drop in long-term rates uh, is advantageous for risk assets like equities. And, you know, it gives you an opportunity probably to pick and choose uh, some of those those better quality issues uh, to hold for the long term. You know when you're seeing interest rates come down like they are and, and remaining at, at, at low levels like they have been. 
Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I start my morning each and every day with this page one. It's a pretty full-fledged website slash app. I should mention that on occasion. Um, it's paid service. I really dig it. it to me, it, it is a non-biased push into the markets each and every day, both domestic and international. You can find out more by going to briefing.com. That's briefing.com. And look at Mr. O'Hare working on Memorial Day week. Um, and the sell in May and go away is kind of a thing this year. Um, am I telling you to do it? Nah, I'm saying maybe be patient. Maybe start thinking about what you're going to do long term in the market. Maybe start putting together a list of stocks that you would want if things get hairy from here. Speaking of hairy, Huawei. Um, Huawei Technologies is casting a shadow of American companies right now. Kind of like May. That could be good news for competitors of Huawei. We've seen companies in the U.S. like Intel and Qualcomm and Broadcom say that they're, they're going to struggle in large part because of the Huawei death knell, so to speak, that Donald Trump has put on that business out of China. So semiconductor licensing companies like Imagination Technologies, they've got no research and development in the United States. They're proud of that. They could be one of those companies that does well or in Infineon Technologies or an arm holdings uh, based on the Trump administration pressuring European allies to take a tough line on Huawei. Most countries are stopping short of the outright ban the U.S. wants instead of opting to tighten standards for data networks and 5G gear. It's interesting why it's playing out, but the current trade tensions can only lead to more investments in contracts between Chinese companies and European Union companies, and I think they're going to take advantage of it. It's worthy of note that companies like Nokia, Nokia and Ericsson, pretty much have left for dead companies, But they've been defiant and stayed alive, and now they have a big opportunity with the U.S. saying, you know, we're too good to work with criminals out of Huawei and the spying that they do. It's fascinating. Facebook won't remove a manipulated video of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi because it doesn't violate company policy. I don't know how I feel about that. In the video, she appears to slur her words because how shall we say it's been edited that way and it's been shared on social media millions of times by Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani and others. I don't know how I feel about Facebook anymore. I'm confused. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Little DMX. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here. Up in here. When the stock market hits all-time highs, I kind of start to lose my mind because everyone's making money, and that's no bueno. It's like green salsa. No bueno. I like the red salsa. I like the, the stuff that looks like it came from a pepper. Not What's that green stuff? So I'm not a coward, but I don't really like it when markets are hitting all-time highs because it takes away my ability to, to add value. And I think that's what that song's about. I know you're saying, next time can you play an Ed Sheeran song instead of a DMX song? No. The answer is no. Activision Blizzard makes video games. I spent part of my weekend, (laughs) my 10-year-old said, Dad, if I qualify for a Fortnite tournament, can we go to New York? I said, hell yeah, we can go to New York. And then I was like, what are the the chances of you qualifying? And maybe I should have asked that question first. But... Kids today spend a lot of time on video games, on tablets, on Netflix, on YouTube, on social media. That's why we talk about stuff like Snap. One analyst I was reading over the weekend thinks Snap has the biggest upside out of all the stocks in his universe. I'm like, okay, what stocks are in your universe? And it was kind of a 
story stock kind of universe. So I spent some time. I'm like, okay, what video games will I play this summer? Or will I read a book? Or what will I do? And I'll tell you what, I used to like Activision Blizzard a lot. So I was like, let's start there. Stock was recently up as Goldman Sachs analysts upgraded the shares to buy from neutral, adding it to America's conviction list. I don't want to be on America's conviction list because it's, it's too close to convict, right? But for Goldman Sachs, it's a thing. The analyst boosted his price target to 54 bucks, just above the average, which is $53, according to all the analysts, when they merged their, their opinions together. Stock's down 13% since the beginning of May, so it's been an underperformer. Sell in May and go away has maybe created a opportunity knocks kind of scenario. They had a first quarter disappointment with Call of Duty 2020. And I just said duty. <laughs> oh, but has it created an attractive entry point? I don't care if the company makes cancer. I don't care if they make video games. I don't care if you make uh, meatless uh, hamburgers. When it comes down to it, a bad month of May doesn't create value. Two high-profile games, Call of Duty and Overwatch, are amongst reasons for optimism. Although I was reading this weekend that the commissioner of Overwatch or something like that has left Overwatch. He's, he's heading over to Epic and call and um, Fortnite. I'm like, okay, so success or failure starts at the top. In a couple years, I think, for instance... The San Jose Sharks need to fire their, their GM, Doug Wilson. I'm not going to go to any more games. I'm not going to support them. I'm not going to say nice things about them until the season starts. I'm not going to do anything until they fire their GM until the season starts. And then I'll just suck it up and forget it all. But success or failure starts at the top, right? Whether it's football, whether it's the company you're at right now, is your boss too passive? Does he let you know the sales team you know bowl you over, or do you all work on content, content, content? As a guy at Oracle, are you getting your commissions, or does Larry Ellison oddly enough fire you right before your commissions are paid? Success or failure starts at top. It always does, and it always bleeds down. That's something important here, even in video games worlds. Now, here's the question on Blizzard's key franchises: They got World of Warcraft. I can probably tell you, I've never played a minute of. They got Diablo, I could sadly tell you I played too much of. They got Overwatch, never played a minute of. And they got some Hearthstone games. But they also got, you know, some other stuff out there. Now, the, 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 Call, the Call of Duty and Overwatch, obviously, is what I'm leaning towards. Diablo is going to come out on a mobile platform. And hardcore Diablo fans, and again, it's kind of one of those arcade games where you basically hit the mouse button to swing your sword or do a spell or heal people. It's a lot of mouse clicking, um, and it's kind of a dungeon crawler. Will that translate onto the phone? What will get my kids to put down video games? What will get my kids to put them down and go to a different one? Activision liz uh, Lizard. <laughs> Here, Lizard, 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 Lizard. Activision Lizard had a bad month of May, and that's the way you kind of need to look at. Maybe this summer you do a trade. Maybe you can find a stock that, that makes sense to you. Maybe it's marijuana. A lot of people ask me about canopy growth. And they, it doesn't look like they're going to have a, a great quarter. So that's out there, right? MGM. They're one of those companies that China could say, get out of our country. Go! I know you're saying, are you doing a Chinese accent that sounds oddly like, uh, how shall we say, a Transylvanian vampire? Get out of my country. Go! So Baron, not Barons, but um, MGM in, in China could run into a, a thing with each other. They could be a, maybe it's not Apple that China picks on. We've picked on Huawei, for better or for worse, it is what it is. Would you wager on MGM? House always wins, right? Unless you're Donald Trump and you own a casino, and then the casino goes bankrupt. That's impossible. 
I want to talk about the stocks that have been winner winner chicken dinners this year. Cody, ticker symbol C O T Y, it soared because it's German conglomerate boosted its stake in the beauty and cosmetics maker. There's always going to be people that are ugly and people need makeup. And the combination is a winner for cosmetics. Anadarko Petroleum up 60%. Occidental Petroleum outbid Chevron to buy Anadarko, so it was a merger thing. Xerox is a winner. How is that possible? Xerox is like a dead tech company. And yet, they're up 58% this year. Tickle symbols XRX. CMG, Chipotle Mexican Grill. Winner, winner. Fast food or fast convenient food. A lot of delivery, a lot of mobile, a lot of um, rewards. Pushing that stock higher. And Tyson Foods, a chicken maker. A chicken maker. Doing better even in the face of African swine fever. They're going to raise prices. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.